Here we go, guys. The launch of Tech Moxie 2023, and we are back with a bang. Lucky enough to be joined by the infamous Eva from True Altitude. For years now, Eva has been supporting early stage e commerce, logistics, and supply chain tech firms to get their shit together so they're in a position to tap into that sweet VC backing and breakthrough to the next level. Because of her background in design and finance, she's in a unique position to see what founders have been doing wrong. And most importantly, has some pretty clear views on what they should be doing in 2023. There are some real gems in this one, so brace yourself. Let's get to it. Eva, hi. Hi, how are you, Ben? I'm very well, thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, good. Trying to, you know, like tick everything off before the Christmas period. So it's been busy. I'm sure, I'm sure. And well, you were wonderful in making some time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, I'm that kind of a person who always just, you know, whenever there is an opportunity, I just jump on it. I want to get it done. That's what life's about, right? Good on you. Yeah. Keep that, keep that going into next year. Yeah. Like I, I've been, I suppose, LinkedIn stalking you for a little while because I love your content and it was shared around by a couple of people. So you're clearly doing something right there. But do you want to give a quick sort of run through on your background, who you are, yeah, what you do? Sure, 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 sure. Would love to. So my name's my name is Eva, and essentially I have found myself in the startup and capital raising space some four years ago now, maybe even five. But basically. I started out in the R&D tax credit game, and then I was working for an investor introductions platform. Okay. Uh, and that was actually about the time when I started, you know, learning a lot about capital raising and, you know, like the different tips and tricks. And from all the conversations that I've been having with people around me, that's when I started putting it all together and posting it on LinkedIn. Throwback to my uni years where I was the one with the most diligent notes as well. Oh, Eva, I love people like you. Yeah, no, the hats off. Okay. Yeah, no, I would always <laughs> share my notes with every single person in the class. So that was lovely. But anyways, so I started posting on LinkedIn and with time, people started approaching me asking, oh, could, could you could you explain how this works? Or could you help us raise? Or could you could you help us do this or that? And that's when I went, well, I could, but I should probably charge you guys for it. Mm -hmm. And that's how my own business came about, which is V Select Consulting. I started it about three years ago now, I reckon. And that was basically just my own solo gig consultancy. Nice. Yeah, where, where I was helping founders prepare for capital raising. And I've got a graphic design background, so I would be designing pitch decks as well. Right. I wondered how you were so good at this stuff. But okay. Thank you. It yeah, because like I wanted that. I always wanted to have a physical product, not mm -hmm. just the advisory, but actually something, you know, like tangible. So that's why I figured I'm gonna be doing pitch decks and the whole consultancy is going to go alongside it. So that's what I started doing when I was still living in Sydney. And then I moved back to London just after basically the, the worst waves of COVID ended. Yeah. When I went back to Europe, moved back to London, and I was running V Select until I met the team at True Altitude. And I am right now with True Altitude. We are an investment firm and advisory. We're okay. also preparing to launch a later stage VC fund. So there's a lot nice. of exciting things happening. Yeah, my role specifically is the advisory to early stage startups so my bread and butter and yeah a lot of what i'm putting out there in terms of content is the stuff that i'm working through with my clients and then you know like also talking to two vcs about 
Sure. Okay. There's a couple of things to unpack there. Then, firstly, there's that move back from Sydney after after COVID and things. Was yeah. that because you thought London would give you closer exposure to the type of business you want to be working, or was it a start, um, like a lifestyle thing? I want to get back to London. What was the what's the story? About? I think the most immediate thing was that my visa finished. <laughs> ah, yeah. That, that, okay. <laughs> that was the most immediate thing. And to be honest with you, it was a lot of pressure to keep applying for them. And, and then, you know, like I was running my own business, so I was not on an employer sponsorship. I would need to apply for that. And, it, you know, it's stressful. It's, it's honestly very taxing. But then what you said as well, this did play a role. London is one of the biggest centers of the world. And mm -hmm. only now, I think, being back here. So I've lived now here again for like about, about a year. Yeah. And I can really see how much faster of a pace it has. And it's exciting. It, it requires a lot of energy, but at the same time, it's also so rewarding. For sure. I hear that a lot from people in London. You have to put a lot in, but normally you get a lot of energy back from it too, exactly. right? You can't yeah. each other. Exactly. That That's how it works. It's, it's all or nothing kind of a city. <laughs> yeah. Well, a long way that continue because, yeah, we, we all reap the benefits of that. And so then the, the other side was joining True Altitude. What was the yeah. what was the switch there? Because if you were, got used to maybe running your own gig and yeah. you know, working your niche, that nice crossover. Um, what... Yeah, so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed running my own thing and I, I still have it and I still can do it ad hoc. But what I missed was having a team and yeah. you know being just part of something bigger because i would i would I've, I've come back to london and i was just working from home it's just myself i found a number of business partners but you know they had their own companies so yeah. it wasn't the same and you know it gets pretty like tedious repetitive and lonely so that's when i thought okay i'm i'm, I'm like I'm ready to join something bigger and I want to contribute yeah. to something bigger. So then I think it was around March this year that I met one of the partners at the team from, from True Altitude. And then we, we quickly picked up on the fact that what I was doing was very much complementary to what the advisory arm of the business of True Altitude was doing. So yeah, and, and then April, I, I've joined the team and now it's been eight months. Love that. I, I think so many people can can find similarities in, in, in that journey too, just because of, I don't know, getting used to working from home and things, people feeling like they could have gone at it alone. Sometimes it isn't as enjoyable, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I do enjoy working from home when I'm in my introverted phases. Yeah, <laughs> cycles, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, the extrovert comes out and it's like, oh, like, what do we do now? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's that makes a lot of sense for sure. Okay, so awesome. coming back around to it, you've been doing this for yeah four or five years, right? Specifically the advisory work. So what sort of trends? Because it's been a hell of a journey with a lot going on in the world that could yeah. make this game so so hard. What sorts of trends did you see and enjoy and and harness in over those four to five years? Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Obviously, now I think we're looking at the world as pre-COVID and post-COVID. True. You know, yeah. Was. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I think, you know, back in 2020 and then especially 2021 as well, a lot of good and then also not so good startups raised a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think over the course of this year, that was basically like a big test for them to see 
which one of them are actually sustainable and which one of them can withstand a market downturn. And on the late stages, for example, you know, we, we've seen the late stages being hit much harder than the early stages, you know, like the layoffs, the down rounds, the, the hostile takeover as well. So what was it? Gorillas just got acquired by Gettier. Great example. Exactly. Yeah. And they've previously, you know, just before this acquisition, they've 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 raised a down round and they've laid off so much staff as well. So over the course of last six months, you could really follow this journey and how it unfolded. So whereas the early stages, they seem to be holding up better in mm -hmm. a sense that they have less scars. They they they're they're not at a risk of a down round because they're literally raising for the first time and then maybe they can set their valuations better. But then again, they're also struggling for, for, for cash right now. So I think both on the early and late stages, it's about survival, but there's differences to how, how that, you know, is depicted. Sure. It's interesting. You, you say scars, you know, so yeah. we, we, you know, feeling very much battered and bruised over the last year or so. And yet there has still been some, some positivity out there. Do you see a shift from the way investors are going to be approaching it into next year? Yeah, so hopefully. So we're looking, I've read it somewhere, Pitchbook or whatever source it was, but we're looking at record levels of dry powder as of now. I think it's 290 billion that is currently waiting to be invested. And that is actually twice the amount that we had pre-COVID. Blimey, right. Yeah. Okay. So there's this, you know, like huge load of cash waiting to be invested. And with dry powder, what I always say is that whilst it signifies opportunity, it is also pressure because that's pressure on the GPs and the fund managers to allocate this capital in a timely manner. Because mm -hmm. if they don't, then we risk running into a even a worse recession. And then, you know, they won't be able to make any return on their investment. So what I'm thinking and what I'm hoping for is that you know next year we're actually going to see a bit faster pace in terms of investments but i still think the due diligence process is going to be much stricter which it should be mm. after ftx you know like after after everything else that has happened for sure yeah 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 so i think yeah, there could be like a bit more conservative approach to how startups get funded, but that's that's for the good thing. That's basically to find those that are really sustainable and yep. can deliver the returns. It forces the right kind of questions, I suppose. A thing I hear quite regularly from founders, I suppose, they're going into next year feeling like it's going to be, or the appetite isn't quite so big, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. If the powder's that dry, it's just a case of making sure you've got all your fundamentals right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's the case of getting it right because if that's what i always say to almost every single startup that i work with if if they can find their path to profitability as soon as possible and start generating revenue then their clients are literally their source of money and they wouldn't even need you know investment from vcs from investors and so on like if you can do that if you can bootstrap it that's great and i think those sort of models are what we should be looking at more because some industries obviously let's say like you know like the, well the capital intensive industries or like medical industries yes they need a huge injection of capital in the beginning yeah but if we're talking about SaaS models a lot of fintechs and a lot of like software tech startups there is a way to bootstrap and you should do it 
okay so i'm interested in this bootstrapping as a as a model definitely in our sector it's superscripts because we just help so many fintechs and yeah. uh, crypto firms etc what would be your top three tips for businesses trying to find that path to bootstrapping successfully to utilize help that is available and for example here i remember this conversation that i had i can't remember the name but there is an incubator slash accelerator that helps people to launch their own business whilst they are still still in employment oh um, interesting okay yeah. So basically, you know, like you're minimizing your risk, you're still earning money, but then you also, you know, you, you can also get the help to launch the business. Mm -hmm. I think you get paired with other people in similar situations who basically become your co-founders. So nice. yeah, use the help available accelerators, team up as soon as possible. That's what I would say. So I think, you know, being a solo founder, I, I admire every single solo founder out there because it is challenging, it is hard, and obviously, the only capital reserves that you've got is just your own. So I think if you can team up the earlier, the better. Mm -hmm. And the third one, it would probably have to do something with setting up your business model and the revenue streams that you're going to be looking at. So, um, for example, marketplaces are quite hard to build. You know, you need a, you, you will need to put in a lot of effort be, be, before you start seeing the results. Mm -hmm. you need build out one side of the marketplace and you need to build out the other side of the marketplace and you need to wait for them to start transacting before you can take your you know percentage chip off. Sure. Exactly. yeah yeah that's need proof of concept don't they? exactly whereas if you go with a SaaS offering let's say maybe like an app or like a service where you provide let's say 60% of the features for free, but mm -hmm. then the rest to access all of the services, 40% you need to pay. That's an easier way to start monetizing quickly. And another thing is that this is what I actually heard from, I think it's called Founder Suite. Okay. They were attending a SaaS stock event in London months ago. And that's when I heard it, that there's those like tips and tricks. If you've got like a long pack payback period, you should think of like a one-off products yeah. that can give you back some of your revenue quick. So like, can you do anything? Like, can, can you do like, can you release a course or, you know, can, can you like do like a one-off product that you will be able to put out there to your leads and make some of that, you know, money back. So yeah, that's just rambling. It's an interesting point. I think uh, the, the course piece, and I've seen a big trend on that on Gumroad. Is it Gumroad? Yeah, yeah. Gumroad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is mega easy to upload something and, yeah. and get something that looks professional. Yeah. And Gumroad fees, that's just 10% of, of what you make. That's yeah. not a lot relatively. Well, particularly because there's no running costs, right? That's just. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You there, you let it run and then. I think they pay 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 to you monthly. For sure. So, yeah. Okay. So you're putting a lot of emphasis on businesses to think about how much value can you give early doors. So we're talking about 60-40 split and then extra extra materials around what you do that, that can make a difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is basically all about being able to get in the money into the business mm -hmm. one way or another. Yeah. And you know, then you reinvest it all and and, and you're able to, you know, to grow. Bring it back from there. Okay. Well, there you go. So magic source there. And then so uh, taking lessons from 2022, 
what would you say would be, I don't know if you can think of top three, it's impressive top of your head here, Eva, but the things that businesses think they should be doing, that probably be a mistake. Like, as in like the top mistakes that I've seen? Yeah. Mm, so for, I think one that comes to mind would be being inflexible with valuations. That's what I've seen happen quite often. Cause you know, after the heights of 2021, mm-hmm. naturally, it is hard to, you know, like to basically like say, say, say goodbye to those like really high valuations. But what I've seen happening is that if a founder was not ready to, you know, adjust slightly, they might forego the total investment. And I've seen, I've seen startups simply just run out of money and they had to close shop because they weren't willing to budge. They weren't able to, you know, give out a little bit more equity that's another tip <laughs> probably to you know keep as much as equity as you can mm-hmm. and here in order to do that i would definitely advise to look at the all of the non-dilutive sources of funding you know my r&d background and so on yeah so, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so we've got r&d tax credits which if you're loss making which most of pre-revenue startups you know sorry pre-seed startups are you get the tax credits back as cash back into the business so it's you know it's only a tax offset when you're revenue generating but if you're at a loss you actually get money back into your business oh no way okay yeah so that's useful then there's also patent box that's for revenue generating businesses but essentially for every uk patent that you register if you apply for patent box it re- reduces your corporation tax by 10% and mm-hmm. then yeah and then at slightly later stages you've got venture debt you can look at asset financing i spoke to a vc that was a super interesting conversation they were doing marketing based lending which is basically a loan secured against your marketing results and metrics and then wow. yeah and and the rule for this loan is that it like all of the money must be spent on marketing which is basically the lifeblood of the business so that's yeah. great yeah. Um, yeah so yeah so there's like marketing lending and then you know we've got grants we've got innovate uk we've got a lot of accelerators as well that will provide funding it takes a bit of research to to find out about all of these things but you know that's why that's why advisors exist that's for um, sure. Yes, yeah, okay. that's why you're doing podcasts like this. Yeah, um, yeah, to be able just basically to 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 show founders what's out there because I think a lot of the times you know like people start businesses and they do it this way, but they don't know about the alternatives that are out there. Yeah, that's well, the trouble is it can be quite paralyzing, I suppose. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so many yeah. Options, so many different data yeah. points you don't actually know. There's an, yeah, there's an abundance of choice of, of yeah. everything, you know? So yeah, it's, it's only, I think a lot of the businesses that will, you know, be, be born in the next decade will be probably businesses that are trying to organize, systematize and categorize mm-hmm. everything that's out there, you know? Interesting. So you, you feel like we've been in the cycle of people breaking down different solutions and so now it's a case of helping people find which path's better for them i would say so yeah this is basically just like you know like this whole trend of big data i don't have an actual number off top of my head but if you google how many megabytes of data are being created every minute yeah the numbers are insane and you know if if you if you think about it you know like i think a lot of the businesses of tomorrow were obviously going to be you know they're, they're going to be 
based on the foundation of, of AI, yep. for sure. Yep. And we're going to need a lot of help organizing everything that we've created. For sure. So there's yeah, music to most data scientists ears because yeah, they've had a good run anyway, haven't they? That's an yeah. absolute bombshell, actually. Eva, thank you very much for those tips and yeah. and things to watch out for too. So I, I mean, you as an advisor, this is the reason I came across you anyway. You put out a lot of great tips. So where can people find you directly? Definitely LinkedIn. That's okay. that's my bread and butter. I'm on it every day. So I would say yeah, LinkedIn. I try to reply to every single one of my messages as well and yeah sweet okay well i'll make sure we add your linkedin in the description people can yeah. find you there but that was absolutely awesome thank you very much great thank you